T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Hey, now, how y'all doing? (laughs) Welcome back. Here we are another Sunday with Steel Talking. It is my favorite thing to do on a Sunday night is be here with you. This is Steel Talking and Center Stage and so much more. And we love having you join us. We got a great show lined up for you tonight. And we really hope that you will stick and stay with us uh, tonight after this is my, what, 22 years going on 23 And I'm just excited to be here on Halloween. I am not a Halloween fan uh, at all. And, of course, I got to bring our our, um, producer, um, Jimmy um, Erickson and Jonathan Lowe are my two um, producers for this show. And I always drag Jonathan in. Sometimes he's kicking and screaming. (laughs) But seriously, Jonathan, do you like Halloween? I'm fine with Halloween. I'm I'm not an Uber fan. I'm not one of those people that they dream of this every year. This is the year on the ca- the day on the calendar that they long for every year. I'm not that into it, okay. but I like it. I'm I'm fine with Halloween. Okay, so I'm here's the it. thing. You know, I'm in seminary, and it's so interesting. Um, I was in class the other day, and one of the students had on their costume for Halloween. It was something about Harry Potter. It was adorable. Um, and I started thinking, someone just recently on television, forgive me not for, for not remembering their name, uh, but mentioned that Halloween has surpassed Christmas a while ago. And I remember they were neck and neck. I remember where Christmas was ahead, Halloween was really creeping up pretty quickly, and then all of a sudden, you know, Halloween surpassed Christmas. Do you believe that? I, you're saying as, as the favored holiday? Yeah, between the two. I I honestly I don't see that as much. I still think that Christmas is a more celebrated holiday and a more mm-hmm. favorite holiday than Halloween is, but I wouldn't be surprised if you said if you took a poll of people and you gave them two answers, which day do you prefer, Halloween or Christmas? I wouldn't be surprised if it was within 7 to 8% where where they were close together like a 40 48 to 52 or something like that I don't know. You know, here's the thing. I, um, Javita and I performed with a great band featuring my brother, Billy Steele, and uh, we were at Crooners and sold out. It was such a fun, fun show. No one except a little girl that I saw, and she was adorable, um, had on a costume. I thought for sure people were going to come in some type of costumes, but no, they didn't. I was really surprised at that. Um, but afterwards, when driving downtown Minneapolis, and, you know, we saw a whole bunch of people that were in the streets having a great time, 
Uh, I passed by the gay 90s. I hadn't seen anyone at the gay 90s, not one person walking in or walking out. But I don't go that way that often. But that night, jam-packed. I mean, people were like in the... There was a line. Let's put it like that. There was a line. So people love Halloween. I know a lot of young people do. They love to get dressed up. I know my niece and her boyfriend got dressed up for it. And um, I keep saying to myself, I don't know. Once it's over, it's over. Christmas kind of lingers, you know. Some people still have their decorations up until February. And so you still feel Christmas, you know. But Halloween, it's like, oh. So now people take it down pretty quickly. I I saw a whole bunch of of, uh, uh, costumes and stuff hanging up to welcome the uh, the children. And um, some of it was frightening to look at. But boy, these young children look at that and don't get scared. I would have been terrified at that age. By the way, um, children came by my mom's house tonight looking for candy. I didn't have any candy. Mom didn't have any candy. I really didn't think Sunday would be the day. I thought Friday and Saturday would be the day. No, they Not try- Sunday. They try to keep People on Halloween try to keep it as on the day as possible. Now, I know that with it being a Sunday, yes, I I think you had more of the Halloween parties and all these young adults getting together. You probably had that Friday and yesterday. But as far as the trick-or-treating, I'm not surprised that it's tonight. They try to – people that that do Halloween, that love Halloween – try to keep it as central to the day as possible. Well, I tell you, there were about eight children that unfolded out of this van that pulled up. <laughs> it was adorable. From the ages of maybe three or four up to, I don't know, 15. But they were so adorable and had their costumes on. They were having the time of their lives. They get out the car, they come up to the door. And I'm like, I'm, you guys, I'm so sorry. I thought you know people would come yesterday. And they were like, you don't have any candy for us? I was like, oh, I'm sorry. It was adorable. It touched my heart. Usually nothing about Halloween touches my heart, but that did. They were adorable. So, yeah, I was surprised. Um, Sunday was the day. Very surprised. So as we look forward... um, to tonight's show. We really have some great guests. Um, our first guest is at 720. Uh, Jeannie Massey is going to join us because she knows all about ranked choice. And um, if you are a fan, then you probably know all about it. Those of you that don't know, you deserve to know. And so we're going to bring some clarity to that uh, tonight if you haven't already gotten it with Jeannie Massey. Um, also um, coming up at 735 is our mayor, Jacob Fry, here in Minneapolis. And we're going to talk about, um, you know, we've been trying to get all the guests on uh, here f- to talk about who's running for mayor. And so we already talked to A.G. Awed, Awed, I think it is, and Kate Knuth. And so tonight we're going to have Sheila Neshead and also the mayor, Jacob Fry. So I'm really looking forward to talking to the two of those. That's 735 as well as 8 o'clock. Um, and then at 835, we're going to have Stefan Van Horst. What a name, right? Well, I actually went through the whole website for um, a company called One to One Connect. We're going to learn all about them. And then we're going to go into center stage and have so much fun with um, uh, two of our own here in Minnesota, Tamara Kangas Erickson and Madeline Trumbull. um, And they will be um, doing, will direct the production at Chan Hessen Dinner Theaters of uh, Little Women. So we're going to talk about that. Then Rohan Preston is coming back tonight. Whoop, whoop. We're going to talk about, do you say theater or theater? Oh, how do you say it? Then Colly, Colin McCree, is that what it is? Or McCry? Mockery. Colin Mockery. How do I get that right? Because I love that show. I ah. don't know. 
I don't know. <laughs> but this is a big deal. It's a big deal. It's huge. It's absolutely huge. If you don't know whose line it is anyway, um, then you got to hear this um, this tonight. It's just going to be great. And also Grant Meacham, whom I happen to love, and we work with him, and he's wonderful. We're talking about the Minnesota Orchestra and what's happening with Black Panther and some other shows that they're doing. And then, of course, the last hour is my son, Michael Battle, for the Mom and Michael Hour. So we have a whole lot to talk about. We hope that you'll stick and stay with us. We're going to take a little break and then come back in just a moment. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Welcome back, everyone. I am so excited to talk a little bit about ranked choice voting, voting because it can be really confusing for so many Minnesotans. Um, and I, I remember the first time we did it, it was just so strange to me, or at least the first time I did it. And uh, joining us tonight to talk about this is Jean Massey. Why? Because um, ranked choice fans, I, I just want to know, are they the ones that are doing what it was intended to do when it was adopted by cities like Minneapolis and St. Paul 15 years ago? And hopefully, Gene, you can you can answer this question because it drives me crazy to know that we're doing this again because I didn't enjoy it the last time I did it. <laughs> and Jean Massey's joining us. She is with Fair Vote Minnesota. Welcome. Well, thanks for having me. A pleasure. Okay, how many times do you get phone calls where people go, what, what is it again? How does this work again? Well, not as many as I used to. Hey, now. People are getting used to it. <laughs> We've been doing it now for a decade, so people are getting used to it. And this year, right. uh, they're really ranking their ballots. And let me just break it down for you, because I know some people are still, some people come new to the city, it's their first time voting in a municipal election. They're wondering, what's on the ballot? Who's on the ballot? And what is ranking? So Mm -hmm. it's a big municipal year. Everyone is on the ballot from the mayor, all the city council races, all the park board races, and a taxation board we have here in in Minneapolis. And what ranked choice voting does, first and foremost, is make it simpler for voters to vote. So we used to have two rounds of elections. Back in the old days, we would ask voters to come out in early summer primary, and guess what? No one came. 5% of the voters would come. So most people are left out of that important decision-making process. 
So all ranked choice voting does is allow us to do an instant runoff process, consolidate two rounds into one, and bring together the most candidates with the most voters in a single decisive election in November. And for you as a voter, it's as easy as saying, look, I love my first choice, and just pretend you're picking your favorite ice cream or your favorite pizza. It's like if they're out of stock, you go to your backup choice. That's all you're doing by ranking is saying, I love my first choice. That's my number one. I have a backup. I have a second choice and a third choice. And because these elections are really competitive and they will go through a runoff process, ranking is the way to make sure your ballot has as much influence as possible. Okay. So the problem for me is that I can't use the same name three times, period. Well, for sure not, because you just rank your first, because that candidate will continue to count all the way through, unless that candidate's out of contention, and then your second choice now comes into play. Right, and if I don't have a second choice, because I don't know enough about them, that's that's the thing with me. I I like to find out as much information as possible about the candidates, especially Mm -hmm. in my district. Um, And so I just wonder, if you don't know the candidates in your district, if you haven't done your homework, and you don't know who the second person is or the third person is, you've got that one chance for your for, you know, to get your choice. And that to me sounds, um, I won't say unfair, but it sounds unusual. Uh, it, why can't just one candidate per person be enough? I mean, you well, explain that it's like we, picking ice cream and that sort of thing, but there's got to be more. Well, but, but remember, it replaces what used to be two rounds, and that was complicated for voters. Voters didn't turn out for the first round, and so their vote was completely uncounted. Right, the 95% of the vote, yeah. Mm-hmm. So then you were left with, left with two choices in the general election. You could choose A or B, and it would be binary. But most voters, and we know because we poll, and there are surveys independent of our polling, that show one thing consistently, actually three things. Voters rank. They find it simple to do because it's empowering. It's intuitive to say, well, if my first choice doesn't count, I will have a backup. They like it, and they want to see it expanded because it makes so much more sense. And it gets rid of the spoiler dynamics that we're so used to here in Minnesota and elsewhere, where if you have three candidates or more running, the third or fourth or fifth candidate can can split the vote, and your favorite candidate might lose in a way that's not explicable. It just means that the vote is split, and the candidate who is most popular may not win. And that happens all the time in our current election. So ranked choice voting is the way to give expression for all the voters. More candidates run. It's important to note this. More candidates can run. More diverse candidates are running and winning under ranked choice voting. We have seen a huge increase in how many candidates of color and political spectrum run under ranked choice voting, have a chance to shape the future conversation of the city, And ultimately, the candidate prevailing is the one who had the most support, the candidate who had the most ability to reach as many voters as possible and build a broad coalition of support. Even if that person had been number number three, forgive me for interrupting, but even if that person who won was number three that had the most votes, so became the candidate. Yeah, that's unusual. That's unusual. Sometimes you'll get the candidate who comes in second place becoming the winner ultimately in the runoff process, but that's just like it used to work. If two candidates prevailed in the old primary, 
the second place finisher in the primary could easily go on and become the winner in the general. And that's all it's doing under ranked choice voting is that that's the whole purpose of doing a runoff is to make sure that we have a way that the majority can express itself and say, this is the will of the majority. Most voters want this candidate to win. It's so interesting. It's fascinating, really. And I I don't know about you, but isn't it difficult to get voters to vote for one candidate in each district for each camp, you know, each time we vote? Well, I'm glad you asked that question, because what we're seeing is an increase in voter participation and turnout under ranked choice voting. Why is that the case? Because ranked choice voting encourages more candidates to run. It encourages more competitive elections, which is the heart of a democratic process. And all those candidates bring out a group of voters to the polls. And the more competitive a race, the more voters feel their vote is at stake. That will count. If a voter thinks, ah, my vote won't count, that candidate's going to win no matter what I do at the polls, they stay home. But under ranked choice voting with more competitive elections, we're seeing more participation and um, I expect significant turnout this year. Um, we have seen a steady growth under ranked choice voting, and I think that's going to continue this year. So I know that we've been hearing um, a lot of people have been mailing it in or, um, you know, finding finding a way to get their ballot in early just so that they don't have to worry about it. Um, and then when you look at the ballot, it, it just um, it doesn't seem complicated to me, but some of the elders um, in communities, you know, some of the seniors that – you know, may not get it. I just hope that there's someone there You know, when you're voting on November 2nd, if you're going in, I hope there's someone that can explain it. I mean, can we stop and say to someone, an election judge or something saying, hey, can you explain this a little more to me? Absolutely. So there's a lot of voter education long before voters get to the polls. We, Fair Vote Minnesota, do a lot of grassroots education, different uh, organizations that work on elections, get out the vote, explain the ranking process. And if you go into the polls unfamiliar, the election judges are that last stop of education that you have as a voter. And the good news is, again, our research, our polling, our surveying always shows that voters across the spectrum, it doesn't matter your age, your ethnicity, your income, voters rank in pretty similar numbers. So they are getting the process. And again, I'll just remind you and listeners that it is so much easier to go to the polls once. What trips up voters more than anything else? Do I have to go vote again? The voters don't turn out for two elections in any cycle. They turn out for one. And with ranked choice voting, that we, again, are able to bring together all those candidates with all those voters. And at the end of the day, the candidates prevailing are those who are the most supported in the community. And that, that translates to an important uh, process when people get into office and how they govern, because they really need to keep that broad support together in order to get reelected. They can't just govern to their base. And that governing to our base is a big problem in our politics right now, because we've become so polarized. If I can, uh, announce my candidacy, and I can say as a candidate, well, gee, all I need is 40% of the vote to win, and I'm going to campaign to that base, and I don't care about the 60%, 
that is hugely destructive in a democratic process. It's not inclusive, it's exclusive, and it polarizes our political governing process. But some of those 40 candidates don't have the money to get out and, and make their voice be heard, you know, their agenda to be heard. So I, I guess for me, I, I, it's so many candidates that um, I'm going to study and study and study before I go in on Tuesday well, <laughs> and make sure I know, write down every which one I want, you know. This is oh. not something most people know, but in the old primary under uh, under the old system, there would be an equal slate of candidates running in the primary. It's just that most people don't remember that in Minneapolis. The Minneapolis mayoral race is the longest ballot of any race anywhere in the state of Minnesota. St. Paul mayor's race doesn't get the same kind of contest. We just have a habit here in Minneapolis of having a competitive primary or a competitive general election under ranked choice voting. But as voters, you know the top five, six candidates, because they're the ones who are getting the attention in the media. They're the ones that are getting attention on the debate stage. And you're hearing most about them, and they have the capacity to door knock you and send your mailers. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, voters do actually know who those top candidates are and sort that out. And if I were voting for just one or ranking my options, I would still need to study the field in order to know who my first choice would be. And that is number one, isn't it? We all need to study about each of the candidates we're considering. So that in itself is number one to me. You need to know who you are voting for. I I wish we had more time, Uh, Jane. Thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on. All right. Have a great night. Bye. You too. That is Jean Massey. She has been uh, been at Fair Vote Minnesota since the start with her organization. So this is pretty awesome. We learned some things tonight. I'm still a little confused, and I hope that you are not. Um, but Jacob Fry is coming up next. Welcome back, everyone. I am excited to introduce you. If you don't know who the mayor of Minneapolis is, believe me, he is the mayor of uh, a mayor that I have grown fond of. I voted for him. I'm proud to say that, although um, no one is perfect. I know uh, when I, whenever I decide to run for office, I know that I won't be perfect no matter what that position is. And so when we judge our leaders, sometimes I get it. I really do get it. But please understand that we have to know that no one is perfect. And so I'm going to talk to our own Mayor Jacob Fry right now. I'm excited about it. Um, Our look at the mayor's race in Minneapolis continues. Last week we heard from A.J. Awed and Kate Knuth. Uh, This week we will hear from Sheila Nazad and current mayor of Minneapolis, as I just said, Jacob Fry. All right, sir, how are you? Geraldine, I am doing all right. Thank you for having me, and I think you're selling yourself short. You would be a perfect elected official, so let me kind of get in on the endorsing bandwagon here right from the (laughs) get-go. Thank you, sir, but I am absolutely terrified, but uh, thank you very much. I am going to do it in the next four to five years for sure. Now, we have a lot to talk about in this half hour, and um, when I, I just finished talking about rank voting, you know, (laughs) that choice voting thing is, is, um, concerning to me because sometimes you'll put down that number one person and no one else and you may lose that person, right? Um, And so I I wonder how you feel about it. Are you excited about the election being ranked choice voting this year? Well, this has been a format for elections that that I've run in basically every single time. Uh, And it is one that allows you to vote for somebody that 
you don't think has any chance of winning, but you still get to vote for them. And then if that person uh, does not rise to the top, then, well, it moves down to your second choice. Um, you know, I'm, I'm fairly used to it at this point. It's kind of what I know. Um, but you know, I, I certainly understand the concern as well. Um, uh, but, you know, RCV, ranked choice voting anyway, is something we've had in Minneapolis, I think going back to uh, 2009 or so, so quite some time now. A decade um, for sure, a decade. Yeah. Um, you know, I here we have so much going on, uh, specifically when it comes to the questions on the ballot this year. I don't even know if people are playing, paying close attention to the candidates as much as they are to the questions. I think this is the first time I've seen this interest in those questions. Can you tell me about how it has affected you? You know it's three questions on there. A lot of people are wondering where does the mayor stand, but you've made it very clear where you stand on those. Tell us more about that. Yeah, you're right. Uh, The questions, certainly one and two, have garnered a whole lot of attention, especially question number two. And so Mm -hmm. I'll kind of go through at least the first two here for you. So uh, question number one would make Minneapolis a system where you have clarity of who's in charge. It would make the mayor a clear executive that controls day-to-day functions. It would make the city council the clear legislative authority. They pass laws, they deliberate, they talk to experts. They do constituent services. And there's clarity. By the way, if this were to pass, this would bring us into line with most every other mid and large city throughout the country. New York, Chicago, St. Paul, Duluth all have clarity of their structure of governance. We do not right now. And so I'm certainly a yes on question number one. I think it's really important, perhaps the most important thing on the ballot altogether. Uh, question number two, I'm opposed to. But importantly, there are big parts of it that I'm for, you know. We're all for a comprehensive strategy for public safety. We're all for safety beyond policing because not every 911 call requires response from an officer with a gun. You can have a mental health responder or a social worker pairing a unique skill set with the unique circumstances that happen on the ground. Now, here's the important thing. You don't need a charter amendment in order to do those things. We can already do them now. In fact, I just invested a million dollars uh, another million dollars in, in our budget to roll out this mental health response program. So we're doing it regardless of whether the Charter Amendment passes or not. Now, the reason I'm against question two is that it would have the head person of this new department report to 14 different people, 13 council members and the mayor. When everybody's in charge, nobody's in charge. And it's just not a good system to get clear direction because you'll have one council member from Ward 1 telling you to do one thing, another from Ward 12, 13, or 9 telling you to do something else. That's not good for for accountability or safety. I think for me, sir, I grew up in Gary, Indiana during a time when it was uh, a beaming um, um, force to reckon with. I mean, just incredible city that was growing under the guise of one industry, right, Um, which was um, the steel mills. And unfortunately... Um, we initially we had the police officers living in the neighborhoods where they policed. Um, why isn't that happening here? Why isn't that part of this whole question? I think that that would help so much if the police lived in the neighborhoods that they police. Yeah, no. Geraldine, you are right. You are right. You know, I am a I'm a big believer in having officers with deep connections to the communities that they are charged with protecting and serving. Now, you can do that through residency, where you literally live in the neighborhood. You can do that if they attend church or mosque or synagogue in the neighborhood. That's additional connections there. Or even if you volunteer at a food shelf or a homeless shelter. 
Now, we are able to kind of incentivize that they have those deep connections when we hire officers. We aren't allowed to require it because there's a state law that prohibits us from requiring that officers live in the city itself. Um, and, you know, I, I think one of the big things that, that we're going to start realizing nationwide, I'll bet cities around the country are going to start seeing this, is that officers need to get paid more and fired more. They need to get paid more so that you can incentivize the, the best possible, most talented people to want to wanna do this very hard job. Um, and they should get fired if they don't live up to the expectations and the values that we've instilled and we've said that we are demanding. Um, I think that's a dynamic you want. You're probably going to see nationwide here. Mm-hmm. Well, this question has divided um, the city of Minneapolis in the sense that North Minneapolis is one really loud voice about this. Um, and there are other loud voices around the state, but a lot of them are not um, – um, they're, they're not communities with a lot of diversity. And so you've got this really one loud uh, like South Minneapolis and others that are really screaming at the top of their voice because they can, right? We all can. Um, but it seems like it's all about North Minneapolis. This is what I worry about, that it's not, this is not just about North Minneapolis. It's about Minneapolis, you know, and policing in Minneapolis. What can you do? I mean, what do you see should happen if you were to become or remain mayor of Minneapolis? And how are you going to try to bring this division back together again? Well, this election needs to mark a turning point. It needs to mark a turning point where we put aside the politics We put aside the catchphrases and the slogans, and we get serious about the work. And by the way, that is regardless of whether this thing passes or it doesn't. Um, This is an opportunity for us all to come together uh, and to make sure that that very, very important concrete steps that are necessary for accountability and safety in our city are addressed. And by the way, you know, you kind of mentioned this about how you're you're hearing different stuff depending on which community or group of people you're talking to. We need to really listen to our black community, you know, and, and, and that doesn't mean let's assuming what they want. That means actually listening to them. Um, and that's, I, I think, something that has been missed a whole lot of the time. And I think that also reflects how, why we have such strong support in areas like North Minneapolis. Um, that's one of our strongest areas in the city right now. It's because, you know, look, we've been talking to people. We've been hearing from them. You know, you talk to, you know, not not the person that's the loudest in the room or the loudest on social media, but you talk to the person at the bus stop. Hey, how you doing? What can we do in your neighborhood to improve things? You talk to the mom um, that is concerned about her, the safety of of her children or or sending her kid out to jump on a trampoline. Hey, what can we do to help you? Those are things and conversations that I think we need to be having way more. Well, sir, one of the first things you can do is make sure that the police are accountable for their actions. Um, this, this is the thing. A lot of times you don't see the police when there's shooting going on in certain areas. Uh, you don't necessarily see the police show up very quickly, right? And this is a problem in a lot of the big cities around the country. Um, they just don't come when you call right away. You know, only Jesus comes when you want him to come and you call him. So, so that, that really um, is a, a, a problem because sometimes uh, there are people over North Minneapolis. I live in North Minneapolis that really feel like, oh, don't call the police. They, they, they'll show up 
two hours later, you know, or is it that they are so busy that they can't get to the neighborhood? It doesn't feel like that here. So that is my biggest challenge. So as mayor, have you been going on, you know, going house to house, corner to corner, bus stop to bus stop talking about this? I have been, yes. And, you know, what we're hearing loud and clear from communities like the North Side is, yes, they do want deep accountability. They absolutely want to make sure that that these officers that have not been protecting and serving as they should with compassion are are disciplined and or fired. And and simultaneously, we're hearing loud and clear that they need to be able to call 911 and have an officer respond. And they want the presence of community-oriented police officers in in their neighborhood. We're hearing that loud and clear. And right now in our city, we have fewer officers per capita than just about any major city in the entire country. And there are consequences to that. The North Side feels more than anywhere else those consequences. Uh, you know, the, the, the amount of time that it takes to respond to a 911 call, it increases. Um, our ability to conduct investigations in a thorough fashion, it is far more difficult. Uh, there are consequences to that. And that's why, you know, this notion of, of defunding or abolishing the police, especially in a city with as few officers as Minneapolis, I tell you, it just doesn't make sense. And so we got to be real about this. we got to be honest we got to listen to data and experts, uh, and, and, you know, we got to be consistent in our positions. So are you looking to add more police officers? Yes, I am. I am. You know, we've, we've seen such huge attrition over this last year. We were already very low to begin with. Yes, you know, we, we need uh, more community-oriented police officers, and I've set out a clear plan in order to bring them on. Um, I- we need officers that have deep-seated connections with the community around them. Uh, so they get to know the people that they're charged with protecting and serving. And, yes, we also need safety beyond policing because not every 911 call requires response from an officer with a gun. Uh, so it's a both-end approach, and this is something that I've been for, for since day one. Can you tell us what the qualification are, someone, uh, qualifications are to become a police officer? Because there may be people listening right now that are thinking, maybe I should become one. And the biggest challenge has been the qualifications can change from time to time in different cities. Yeah, the qualifications have changed uh, over, over the last several years, and certainly there are areas where we've bumped up incentives to, for instance, live in our city or attend church or mosque or synagogue here or volunteer here. Um, and so, uh, you know, the, the qualifications, it, it, it depends on which program you're going through, you know, cadet or recruit. Uh, and so rather than, like, have me give you incorrect information about the specificity, um, mm-hmm. I'd ask you if you're interested, if you have any interest uh, in applying, uh, shoot me an email, and we will get you to the right people, and I'll just give you my email right now. It's jacob, so J-A-C-O-B dot fry, F-R-E-Y, at MinneapolisMN.gov. Send us an email. We'll get you to the right people so that we can get you involved in a recruiting class. And by the way, if you want to be the change in our police department, if you want to make a difference if you want to make your community safer and you want to help people who are in need in some of the most difficult times of their life, yeah, this is a great profession that you can enter. Um, and so especially, gosh, if you live in Minneapolis, even even better. Bring it on. What is the first thing you're going to work on if you become mayor again? The first thing has got to be bringing people back together. Uh, this this uh, whole You picked a hard one, sir. You picked a hard you know, one. 
Yeah, it's been brutal. You know, I mean, you know it. And, you know, right now you got mayors around the country that are calling today that are re- resigning or retiring or just deciding not to run again. And, you know, some of the most difficult the most difficult issues get passed down to mayors, those that others don't want to touch. Um, and I'll tell you, it was a much longer conversation with my wife, Sarah, as to whether I was going to run again or we were going to run again or not. Um, mm. But, you know, I feel a very deep-seated responsibility to get the city through this right now. Um, I know that you need a clear and honest path. Um, You need someone that's not going to cave, regardless of where you're getting hit and how hard you're getting hit. And believe me, as mayor, you get hit pretty hard from every single side. Um, But the consistency over time, and we're seeing that right now in this election, uh, people respect it. And that's why we're in such a strong position going into Election Day. All right. So just one more question. You know, I really want to know what it's going to take to restore downtown and what will that look like? Well, there's not one easy solution here. And we've obviously had a global pandemic over this last year. And, um, uh, you know, first, I think clearly we need to make sure that people are vaccinated and they are coming back to work. Uh, And so we're not just continuously cycling through COVID-19 and the Delta variant and you know, there will be another. It'll just be called something else. We need to get back. Um, we need to bring workers back. We need to bring businesses back. Uh, and we also need to make sure that they have the right supports so that we're not just going back to the old normal. You know, we're blowing by the old normal and we're getting to, to true transformation. And that's making sure that our, our black and brown business owners have the assets that they need, not just to own their own business, but to own their own property. It means we need safety on our streets so that people feel safe coming back. And to a certain extent, that's kind of chicken or the egg. You know, you won't feel safe. There won't be safety until you got eyes on the street and, and, and people are back in large numbers and people won't come back in large numbers until you have safety. And so we've got to set that necessary recipe. We've got to set the table um, for uh, extraordinary progress moving forward here. And, and, and we're going to be doing our part. I'm looking forward to seeing what your part is. So I really appreciate you joining us tonight. I had more questions for you, but I know you are a busy man. Uh, November 2nd is around the corner and on Tuesday. And as people are considering you, um, give me one last thought that you would say, that one sentence that you would put out here right now for the listeners so that they can say, yeah, I think I'll vote for him. Well, look, we've been through, uh, we had two years of unprecedented progress in these last two years. I think everyone knows it has been unprecedented in terms of the challenge. Uh, and through it all, I've told the truth. I've stayed consistent regardless of who I'm talking to. Everybody gets the same answer. Um, and we charted an honest and progressive path forward for the city. Of course, it's been hard at times. Um, but we've been tested, yet yeah, at times bruised. Uh, and you keep moving forward to try and do the right thing. And this city doesn't quit, and, and neither do I. Well, you have a beautiful little girl, and boy, when you say do the right thing, look in her eyes. You oh, get yeah. it. That's exactly All right, sir. Right. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank Blessings you so to much, you. Caroline. We'll talk soon. All right. That was our own mayor in Minneapolis, uh, Jacob Fry. And of course, I'm really encouraging everyone to get out and, and go vote. If you haven't voted yet, um, it's Tuesday. <clears throat> you have all day. Don't forget, you can go to your employers and say to them, hey, I get an hour off or two hours off to go and vote. You know, that is part of the law, unless somebody tells me that it's changed, because I sure haven't heard that or read that. So yeah, just please, please, please vote. We'll be back. It is now 7.56 here at WCCO. Welcome back. 
You've been listening to um, the candidates for mayor. Last Sunday we had two of them on, and tonight we have two of them on. Coming up in the eight o'clock hour is Sheila Nizad and um, Nizad, excuse me, and she is also running for mayor of Minneapolis, and um, she is the one that helped draft question two on the ballot. Um, so yeah, we want to want to talk to her about that and talk to her about why she's running for mayor. Here's the thing that excites me: there are two women that are running for mayor here in the great uh, city of Minneapolis. And uh, as a woman feminist, uh, as a feminist, period, my children are <laughs> feminist in training. I get excited about women who stand tall and run for office. We had a big group of them. Um, a few years ago, and I am so excited about the possibility of having uh, them run for local offices and then hopefully national offices as well. So I don't mind that at all. Um, As you wonder and try to figure out where am I going to go when I'm voting? What am I supposed to do? What is it supposed to look like? I really encourage you to do as much homework on them as possible. It's hard to do nowadays because you remember when we first started using websites to tell us all about the candidates that were running in our districts, no matter where you were? You know, you would have information about where they've been around the world, where they've worked, you know, why they ran for office and how their family feels about it and pictures about their family and what they want to do. And there was so much clarity and they would come door to door. Well, you don't have that anymore. At least I know I haven't. I haven't seen anyone uh, come to the door to say, hey, I'm running for mayor. So as we look forward to Tuesday, just remember, remember that, yeah, It's going to be okay. We're going to vote for whom we believe is the best for mayor of Minneapolis. And those of you that can't vote, talk to the people you know. If you know more than they know, talk to the people you know. All right, we'll be back in a moment. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.